0: Hi, this is J.P. Mack, and welcome to Liberty relearn not just another conservative podcast. Well, we made it through another week of this dark and miserable year. It started off with the COVID-19 epidemic, then we had rioting and looting, and to top it all off, we had the Democratic National Convention. So, we'll get right into that. Uh, of course, we know that Joe Biden has accepted the nomination for his party's bid for President of the United States. Uh, congratulations, Joe. And of course, there is his VP pick, uh, Kamala, don't call me Camilla Harris. Uh, pretty awe-inspiring uh, VP pick on his part. Uh, So if you watch the DNC, um, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, You probably didn't have to. I could sum it up as just Orange Man Bad. Uh, Trump is going to kill everybody with COVID-19. And uh, we're going to war with Iran uh, probably next weekend or something like that so there you go you didn't have to listen to any of the dnc it's pretty much what you'd expect Uh, it was like the darkest dnc i've heard in well since the last one uh with with hillary Um, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse they have the dnc I guess it was written and scripted by the same people who gave us the Hunger Games. Uh, a little glimpse of our dystopian future, maybe. But if you didn't watch it, you didn't miss anything in particular. Um, what I do want to talk about is well, a couple of things that uh, Biden said in his acceptance speech. Uh, first thing being that he is going to take care of the COVID nineteen epidemic. Uh, I have some insights that I can share with you on. I think how he plans on doing that, and then also all of the other things that he's he's going to be a uniter and not a, a divider. I mean. I'm not sure how he plans to accomplish that. Um, I guess we could all unite under the socialist banner. I think maybe that's what he has in mind when he says he's going to unite us. I don't know if that's quite going to work in about 50% of the population in about half the states. Uh, But, you know, good luck to him with that. Well, actually, no. I wish him bad luck on uniting us under the socialist banner, if that's what he's planning on doing. But think about the same people as he represents the left. uh, I think it's obvious by now that he's going to be a figurehead and the extreme left of his party is going to control it. I mean, they've already telegraphed what they're going to do. Now, if you heard, uh, AOC's long-winded 90-second speech, where she nominated Bernie Sanders for president. I'm not sure she got the memo, but I think Joe Biden was the one supposed to be nominated. But but she did nominate uh, Bernie Sanders, and so I think that tells us all we need to know about what they expect of Joe Biden think he's going to be more of just a figurehead. Um, He's basically going to be an empty vessel for the more radical socialist elements to fill with their idea. Uh, He's appointed AOC as his environmental advisor. I'm not sure what uh, actual thing she knows about the environment. I think she believes that we, uh, I guess by her account, we must have like 10 years left, uh, that 12 that she originally said. So I'm not sure, um, by January 20th of next year, if there's going to be enough time to turn things around. So maybe she'll have a really easy job. Uh, she could probably take a vacation since, uh, it's probably already too late if we're on a tenure till doomsday plan, like she says. So she has an easy job. It certainly doesn't really involve uh, looking up too many actual facts or figures or science or anything like that. But she's an economics major. Um, But then again, I don't think she's Tell us too much about economics i guess theoretical economics on the socialist side the modern monetary theory a the theory that says just spend as much as you want um, basically to oversimplify mmt or modern monetary theory goes like this run deficits if you need to uh, the government can print money, so why not print the money and do whatever social programs you need? That seems to be their plan, is to simply print the money. Unfortunately, that's kind of a disease that's also been caught by a lot of Republicans. If we've already um, spent around $5 trillion in relief for COVID-19, Now, that may be a lot of that relief may be uh, well intentioned and you know, as good as it could be for an economic plan considering. But you know, when we start arguing over trillions of dollars, then I think we've that kind of signals that both sides have given up on fiscal restraint. It's, It's really a matter of how quick you get to bankruptcy. Now, what the MMT theorist will tell us is that through through the careful control of interest rates that you can control inflation. Because after all, if you're printing money, common sense says and Economics 101, I think you even learn this like the day before you actually en- enter Economics 101. I think they teach you that when you print more dollars, the value of each individual dollar goes down. And there's no avoiding that. Uh, so far, it hasn't worked for um, Germany in the past. Uh, World War II era, Germany had hyperinflation uh, leading up to World War II. And more recently, we've seen hyperinflation in uh in Venezuela, and of course, in both cases you're talking about some sort of collectivism or socialism. And it's never never worked. It can be forestalled the disaster can be forestalled for a little while. Um, but I'm sure that the people in Venezuela, they thought they could handle the hyperinflation too. They were of course, wrong and now, you have, like, almost worthless money uh, being printed. Um, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. i um, here to uh, primarily talk about uh, Vice President Biden's ideas on uh, getting COVID-19 under control. Uh, he seems to think that uh, Trump has done absolutely nothing. I guess he missed the part where he, uh, Trump, sent two Navy ships to two different ports on the West Coast and on the East Coast to help out in California and New York. Those ships were barely even used, and they were returned, I guess, to their, to their home ports, having you know seen almost no COVID-19 or COVID-19-related patients. Uh, he did also build a hospital or two. Uh, I think uh, at really high prices of in the millions, but he built those. Uh, he converted the Javits Center in New York City over to a makeshift hospital, and I think they had something like less than 100 beds filled. And um, also he... He uh, supplied all of the ventilators that Governor Cuomo was asking for. Uh, Cuomo was only off by about I don't know, a couple thousand on his estimate of how many he would actually need. And a lot of those ventilators actually went to other states and help other states, and probably I think a couple to a uh, a few other countries that needed them more than we did. But uh, Trump did come through with the Defense Production Act and and uh, order car companies to make ventilators when they weren't making cars. So when Governor Cuomo talks about uh, leadership under COVID-19, and he's already written the book about it. Apparently, he's the authority now on. Uh, leadership in the COVID-19 era. I guess that's news to a lot of people, particularly in New York uh, and New York City. Uh, I guess de Blasio, I guess, doesn't respond very much to Cuomo's leadership or else uh, he would have not have put all of those COVID-positive people back into uh, old-age homes and rest homes Uh, he wouldn't have, uh, cut down on the number of, uh, cars, subway cars. He, for some unknown reason, he decided that, I guess, uh, having more cars to clean would mean more people working or something like that. And so he reduced the number of subway cars in New York city forcing the same amount of passengers to ride in fewer cars and therefore spend more time in close proximity to each other. And could you imagine that when more people uh, who were on lockdown or who were essential workers uh, got COVID-19? And of course the lockdown policies in New York City I think something like 60% of the COVID cases uh, during the peak season uh, in, in April, May, time frame in New York City, 60% were, in fact, people who were in lockdown. So apparently uh, you had actually more chance statistically of coming down positive with COVID-19 if you were under lockdown than if you weren't. So, yeah, again, uh, good leadership to Cuomo and de Blasio. Apparently, I don't, I'm not sure who's leading who in that, but, you yeah. uh, know, Cuomo is apparently the authority now. So, and the other thing that uh, Biden talked about, of course, is his now famous federal mask mandate or I guess he intends to command all U.S. citizens through his kingly powers that all of his subjects, I mean citizens, uh, wear a mask even if you're in the farthest reaches of North Dakota or Alaska or Wyoming when you have uh, maybe a handful of cases in your entire county. Uh, You're apparently still need to wear a mask. And um, I'd like to remind um, Joe, if he's listening, Mr. Biden, uh, there are states like New Jersey, New York, and some other states, California, that have been under some sort of mask mandate since, well, in New Jersey, April 11th. So we are now, let's see, about five months into this mask mandate, and somehow uh, Joe has, Mr. Biden has, said that if we can wear, if every American wears a mask for three months, that he can get the COVID crisis under control. Now, what that means, I don't know—eradicated or under control. What does what does that mean? He's not really specific, but apparently. Uh, We're going to be all fine if all Americans uh, across the country, even in the farthest reaches of Alaska, wear masks for three months. And I'd just like to remind him that uh, in some states, we've been wearing masks for the last five months. So theoretically, we should be two months out of uh, completely uh, solving the COVID-19 crisis. So... And in New Jersey, uh, you cannot even uh, dine indoors. Uh, two months after that three-month period, uh, so I don't know how we expect uh, Americans to to uh, or for the for the for the epidemic to pass, for the crisis to pass after three months. I don't know. You know, he says he follows the science, but there's just as much science saying that that um, mass are ineffective or not greatly effective. If you know, for instance, if you don't really need them, uh, they can in some cases do more harm than good. Um, on the whole, yes, they do more good, uh, but only if you're in a situation where you actually need them. And I would argue that probably there are probably many Americans that really don't need them. That it would just be um, pointless for them to to wear masks, you know, because it only protects you from COVID-19 if COVID-19 is around. If if there's no COVID-19 in your anywhere in your county, then you're probably you know, probably don't need the mask. I don't think. Uh, science supports the wearing of a mask when there's no pathogen around. I don't know what science supports that. But okay, so masks are good in some places, in some circumstances. But the idea that they're good equally and effective equally all across the country uh, in Idaho, as they are in New York City, I, I think that's a little bit of a, a stretch. But like I said, if if the if three months of wearing a mask is enough, then how come uh, m- most Americans have been wearing a mask and they're under some sort of mask mandate for for at least four to five months? Apparently, he must mean you know three months more uh, for those people, and if you think about. But uh, if he actually intends to make good on that campaign promise, should he be elected, uh, that will be, I think, around January twentieth, and most of America will be by that time. Let's see, in eighth or ninth month of some sort of mass mandate. So it's kind of hard to explain how uh, a three-month mandate is going to. Have much impact on the COVID-19 crisis, but instead of uh, some people or most Americans have been under some sort of mass mandate uh, for at least four or five months. You know, I guess what really is required is uh, mass mandates for nine to ten months. Apparently, because apparently five months is not enough uh, to get the the disease under control, like he says. But that's what he wants. Um, not sure how he would plan on exercising that authority. But that's what he says. So that also uh, begs the bigger question. That okay. If he thinks that he can do better, a better job than Trump, uh, if he thinks a national mass mandate would do better, and of course that mandate would come no sooner than than the mid-January, mid to late January, when he gets inaugurated. So we will already have again. Uh, eight or nine months of continuous mass mandate in some states. So, but what is what is he planning, what is his real plan to do? Well, look, let's look at the situation. We will be, uh, have three full quarters of a year, uh, three full fiscal quarters and with some sort of mandate with, with social distancing for almost all of the country, there'll be three quarters by then of uh, mass mandates of treatment of, and uh, we'll, we'll also uh, hopefully have a vaccine by the end of the year. So, we should have, you know, God willing, have a working vaccine for at least a month and a half before he even sets foot in the White House, should he become president. So, that's going to further decline the number of deaths. If you look at a graph of the number of deaths in the United States since the beginning of the whole thing, you'll see it, it peaks somewhere around uh, mid April. And it drops precipitously uh, you have a little spike uh, around uh, Memorial Day when of course Memorial Day people were out and it also is when the George Floyd protest started uh, at the beginning of June so you figure there's and you can see a small a small spike around that time frame when Coincidentally, the uh, protests started uh, big time in mass in in a lot of states. And then if you look a few months starting in August, there's another smaller spike or a smaller increase in the number of deaths. And, of course, the number of cases uh, went far up. Of course, that correlates to the number of tests being done. So, of course, the more tests you do, sense the reason that the more positives you're going to get have that number of tests, particularly if you're only testing people with symptoms, then, of course, you're going to get more people. So what, what does Biden actually plan to do? you uh, will have several more months of getting the disease under control. If it looks like Covid-19 follows the pattern that has so far. Uh, we should be below our record lows for the year so far. Uh, we could even conceivably have some states having, you know, uh, strung together weeks, you know, days if not weeks of zero deaths. And that's by the time he would get in office and the last couple of weeks of January. So what was he actually going to do? Well, the answer really is nothing. Absolutely nothing. And he might be feel compelled to do some sort of mask mandate. Um, I wonder even if, you know, particularly if we have a vaccine by then, If even if the numbers will warrant any sort of Lockdowns, continued lockdowns, uh, mask wearing of any sort after this vaccine. I mean, that is what we were being told. Of course, first we were being told to flatten the curve, and we flattened the curve to avoid the the hospitals and medical facilities being overrun. Uh, We did that pretty successfully, and then the the disease seem to have migrate towards the middle of the country and particularly west to arizona and texas but also some parts in the south namely florida georgia i think has a uptick in cases now but it's making a, its progression and by the time the election rolls around uh, you could probably expect that pretty much every state in the union will have have seen uh, their spike in cases and the pattern generally is that once you have a spike then maybe you re- release you loosen up some restrictions maybe you have another smaller spike uh, but there's no indication so far based on what we've seen based on the graph and graphs and uh, data available that any spike would be greater than the last one the trend seems to be that each spike that we have such as it is tends to be smaller and smaller and pretty soon it gets down to almost nothing um, of course if you look at a graph of Sweden from the beginning until now you can see there is a precipitous increase uh, it peaks and then there's a precipitous decrease and now they're at the point now in that country where there are very few deaths and the thing about Sweden is that if the herd immunity model holds true and they basically you know they're having done almost nothing except Voluntary social distancing, voluntary mask wearing, and and voluntary uh, personal hygiene in that country, you know, it would seem that they there would not be any spikes because there's no loosening of restrictions that are normally associated with spikes uh, like we have in different states, different parts of the country here, where you know you loosen up. Uh, the restrictions and maybe you have a small increase modest increase in number of cases or number of fatalities Uh, in Sweden there's no there's really no restrictions to lift so you know you get no spike there the numbers are what they are and they would seem to be continuing downward and I think that's eventually where we will get in this country, even if we continue our gradual uh, system of reducing the number of, of restrictions, <coughs> reducing the severity of lockdowns and, and um, doing away with mass mandates over time and le- allowing more people to go back to work. Eventually we're gonna get even to where Sweden is now in their decline or at least that's what it looks like uh, judging by the data and judging by the patterns we've seen before uh, so far and so basically by the time Biden will be inaugurated I think around 20th of January of 2021 uh, we'll have we could have very few cases at all and I think what will happen then is the way that he'll quote unquote cure the disease or handle the disease will be he'll really do nothing uh, except that he'll make a few calls to the governors uh, to the mainstream media get everybody coordinated and basically get them to put out the message that the tide has turned course he'll be coming in at the very tail end of the epidemic Uh, even if we do almost nothing he'll be coming in at the very tail end and so it'll almost be like uh, like a, a pitcher in a baseball game you know you know sent in at the bottom of the ninth to strike out the last batter and then then claiming the win for for the team it's not really a realistic uh, comparison. It's not really a fair comparison. Um, but that's the situation where where Biden would find himself in, will be at the very end, most likely, of the epidemic. And he'll basically take credit for basically lifting the restrictions after doing nothing, maybe a symbolic mass mandate because he said he would. Um, but he's going to he would all he really would have to do at that point would be to call the media um, and call uh, his colleagues, especially the blue state governors and tell them that it's okay the, the word is out that you can lift the restrictions and I think they would just follow suit and what they would do is they would simply shift the focus From cases to the number of deaths and the number of hospitalizations, which is where the focus should be already. But of course, if you look in most of the media, they have the obsession with the number of cases and not so much the number of deaths, which is really all you're worried about, um, and the number of hospitalizations, which could lead to long term problems in some cases and in some cases could le- uh, lead to death so really those are the only two factors that you need to worry about and what I think Biden will do is simply shift the focus you know signal it's okay now to shift the focus where it belongs on hospitalizations and deaths and at that point he'll have numbers even less than they are today and they're most places they're they're pretty low uh last last time i checked uh there are a couple of states in the single digits that were once in uh double and even triple digits back in april and may and they're down to single digits uh, in cases and in well more importantly in deaths and that's only going to Continue. you'll have by by election day I'm sure you'll you'll likely see some some entire states with very few cases and maybe even zero deaths and starting to string together days and even weeks without any deaths but with the focus where it should be um, that will basically be the signal for the media to turn their attention to those factors and that will be the rationale for him lifting restriction and again there's every possibility that we will have really been through um, the worst of it and I think we'll look back a year or two from now and conclude that we really could have lifted the restrictions earlier. But a a lot remains to be seen. Uh, I think a lot depends on who wins the presidential race. Um, Will the governors keep their grips on their states? Or will, with the political element being removed from the equation, will will, will things just go to normal and the emphasis be where it should be on the deaths and the number of hospitalizations um, also getting into uh, more of the DNC um, they haven't forgot about climate change I guess that is their Backup crisis. In case the current crisis is no longer enough, they have always have climate change as their uh, go-to crisis. Uh, you know, should everything fail, and of course, that uh, you can pretty much bet with a Democrat president, uh, particularly with Democrat Congress, if they win the House and Senate, that we'll see a lot more of of incidents where um, you know emergencies will be declared for over uh, things like climate change and that will be some rationale for shutdowns or mask wearing or who knows what there will certainly be a rationale used to uh cut production of gas and oil and fossil fuels. Um, So having successfully used the COVID-19 emergency model for that, they'll extend that to other things on their agenda and pretty soon everything will be a crisis and there'll be some sort of lockdown and draconian measures being taken. And so that's what I think will happen if uh, should Biden be elected. How he'll actually handle, or give the appearance of handling, the COVID crisis, which you know by doing virtually nothing, uh, just letting a in a disease, an epidemic that will be most likely winding down um, and starting to disappear anyway, he'll come in at the tail end and claim credit for. Um, Ending the crisis and really, he will end the hysteria that causes the lockdown. He won't actually, you know, help anybody not get the disease. I don't think that's going to be the result. Uh, the result won't be that he uh, keeps any, anybody from dying or anybody from hospitalization. Uh, he'll simply uh, give people freedom back that they ought to be getting back anyhow uh, if the disease uh, keeps on its current course as it's been throughout the world, but even in the United States um, on its downward, uh, on its downward decline uh, in deaths and hospitalizations. So yeah, he'll, he'll fix it by just appearing to fix it and saying, declaring the crisis over. So, uh, I guess another more important question, well, another equally important question to ask, is what does he plan on doing about the current civil unrest that we see, the rioting and the looting that we see on TV taking place every day. It's been going on for... Uh, 70-plus days in Portland, and there's been something going on in some part of the country every day since just about Memorial Day of this year. So didn't talk at all about any of that, any of the rioting or looting, so I don't know if they think that they have that under control or if this is just going to end up being some sort of Frankenstein's monster that they've created and lose control over. Uh, unfortunately, I think that's the most likely case. I think if Biden uh, gets elected, I don't think he will be able to shut it off. Um, if indeed that uh, any of the the organizations currently causing uh, civil unrest or or doing or committing acts of civil unrest uh, like BLM or Antifa. I don't think that anybody has really any control over, over um, those groups. I think what will happen will, would be that they end up kind of being like the Taliban. Uh, the Taliban, of course, were uh, basically invented by the Pakistanis to keep their enemies in Afghanistan busy, keep them tied up uh, with terrorism and, and uh, civil unrest in that country. And, of course, those forces quickly got out of control. And now the, the Pakistanis uh, can't do anything to stop, really, the uh, Taliban from, from uh, committing more terror or waging guerrilla warfare in in uh, Afghanistan and you know, I think uh, in the same way that the Pakistan Pakistanis lost control of their monster that they created the Taliban I think uh, the DNC will lose control of, over any uh, factions that they believe that maybe they have some influence over uh, the problem is that these are Marxist groups. These are groups that, that that were not invented by the Democrats. They've maybe been co-opted in purpose. Maybe they've allied themselves with the Democrats. Um, of course, back in the 20th century, you had the anarchists team up with the communists and the Bolsheviks to to uh, do to lead the Russian Revolution uh, for the communists, and of course, the whole time the communists, the Russian communists like Lenin and Trotsky, were only using the anarchists towards their own goal. And I think uh, by the time the anarchists. Uh, ...figured out that they were not going to get what they wanted... ...they wanted like true anarchy or or true freedom... Uh, ...whatever that meant to them at the time... ...that it was going to end up being just opposite... ...it was going to be an uh, authoritarian state... ...with even more uh, control over the people than they had anticipated. But by the time the anarchists... Uh, ...back in the early 20th century in Russia figured it out it was too late and the communist party the the bolsheviks already had control and now you have the anarchists again teaming up with communists and i think the communists once again are happy to ally themselves with the anarchists Uh, apparently the anarchists have not learned from their 20th century history and uh, either are in league or you know in in cahoots with the socialist aim anyhow, and that there is their that is their ultimate goal, or they're going to find out too late, like the anarchists of the earliest early 20th century, figured out too late that they were just being used uh, by communists for the purpose of communism and that whatever objectives they were going to have of total anarchy and rebuilding some sort of utopian society was going to go by the wayside and the communists were going to dictate what happened on the ground after that. And the same thing is going to happen here. Um, it's either that the anarchist um, the antifa types are are uh, spiritually akin to the socialists and the communists which seems to be the case but to the extent that they can be called themselves true anarchists or simply anti-fascists i think they're going to find out that no they're they're just treating uh, one form of authoritarianism to for another and of course there's always been a tie between Antifa particularly in Europe with the Communist Party and the Socialist Party so I think there there's always been that alliance and so it could well be that they're going into this with their eyes wide open and have a common goal of establishing some sort of communist or socialist um, government in the United States and in Europe so I'd be wondering uh, since uh, Biden or nobody in the DNC spoke about the civil unrest during the entire convention what will what will they do to stop it? I don't know what their plans are um, I don't think defunding the police is going to work I don't think that uh, Removing federal troops or federal officers from the scenes are going to work. I don't think that these organizations are going to pick up on their cue that the Democrats will try and leave them to uh, cease and desist their their um, their rebel rousing and their rioting and their looting. I think they're going to continue on with their civil disturbance program uh, regardless of who's in the White House, because again, they're not looking for uh, these these anarchists, these socialist uh, quasi terrorist groups, um, actual terrorist groups. I think in the case of Antifa, of get, being under control. Uh, they want the whole ball of wax. Um, And so if the Democrats think that, you know, they're just going to have a uh, big government, you know, tax and spend government with big welfare system, maybe try and have something like Sweden or something like that. I don't think that a lot of these political radicals on the left are going to be satisfied with anything less than just really a total revolution, total upending of. The American system so I'm not sure if the Democrats didn't say anything in their convention because they know that they can't control it maybe they think they can and are perfectly happy to have this civil unrest go on you know give they they give tacit approval to the violent demonstrations but they they can't um I don't think that they're gonna um it's gonna work out the way they think. I think that uh, again, like the Taliban uh did to the Pakistanis, they're gonna be like a Frankenstein's monster that gets away from them and gets the, gets out of their control, and if they think that they can call off the civil unrest uh, say thank you very much Biden's won, we've got the White House now thank you very much, you can go home now I don't think that's going to happen I think they're going to be emboldened and then they're going to uh, see this as their opportunity to just seize control um, which will force Biden I think if he becomes president to do exactly what uh, Trump is threatening to do, which will be to bring in either the National Guard or federal troops under the Insurrection Act and put down these, what are basically, revolts. Um, it's really the most accurate term for him is revolts. So you'll have to put them down uh, if he wants to keep control over what he has. But... Um, since they didn't say anything, uh, one can uh, make either the conclusion that they, they can't promise anything because they can't control these people. Or they think they can control these people, um, but they are sympathetic to their cause and give uh, tacit approval to them. So I think that has been a lot to unpack from the DNC, I guess to sum up again, well, orange man bad, uh, President Trump is going to uh, kill everybody with COVID-19 and everybody's going to lose their grandparents over COVID-19 if, if uh, President Trump is reelected. And, uh, whatever bad things that you believe about Trump are going to continue to happen. Uh, their message is that orange man, bad orange man, racist orange man, homophobic orange man, uh, Islamophobic orange man, misogynist, uh, the usual deal. I don't think, you know, if you've been paying attention to what, Uh, the left has been putting out it's basically been one one long you know uh, four days of uh, internet trolling by uh you know social media if you if you've if you've listened to any i don't know two or three internet trolls from the left you pretty much get an idea of what was said during the dnc well Pretty doom and gloom. Not much positive, not much encouraging about America. Um, he's going to unify us. I'm not sure how the, the party or the ideology that that party represents that has been saying, you know, that has been dividing uh, rich against poor, pitting white against black, male against female, straight against gay for the last, I don't know, half a century or so. I don't know how that party is going to unite us. Maybe their idea of uniting us is uniting us under a socialist or a communist banner, but I think that's not going to happen. So, I you know, I think that that I think they're they're just not going to If you believe that that whole rhetoric about Biden or anybody being a uniter. Um, I don't know what he's going to unite us under. But if anything that he might try and unite us under is probably not going to be good. So you're probably going to be better off kind of resisting whatever he's trying to do. Okay, so that is this week's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, and we'll try and get back to more um, more ideological discussion about specifically conservatism as we try and do uh, there's always a lot to go over and there's always something that happens in the news and inevitably there will be happened there'll be something uh, current events wise that will be a good object lesson in uh either the value of conservatism or the dangers of collectivism and socialism. Uh, But until then, I hope you stay healthy and happy. And of course, I appreciate everybody who listens. Uh, I appreciate your listenership. I hope you continue to listen. The podcast comes out every Monday morning. uh, Published it's late Sunday night, uh, available Monday mornings. Uh, so we we'll hope you'll continue to listen. And if you're new to the podcast, uh, please go back through the catalog, uh, pick out some of the, the episodes that might interest you. Um, some, the ones that seem to be the favorite, uh, there's one that's called, it's okay to love the United States. And there's another one called Bigots, or Bigotry. I forget what the exact title is, but um, they seem to be the popular ones that everybody seems to go back and review. So I'd you know, like to point towards those or any other that uh, interests you. And also, I'll remind you that I'm on Parler as J.P. Mac. Uh, look me up. Um, I put out the podcast every week there. So if you're on Parler, uh, look up Liberty ReLearn. You should be able to find us there. Uh, And also my day-to-day comments that I make on current events. And we're also on Facebook. Again, that's more of a current events-oriented site. And then there's libertyrelearn.com. Which is the written word main written word site that goes into uh, greater detail about certain concepts about libertarianism and conservatism and Americanism uh, things like that. So if you if you're interested if this, these subjects pique your interest and in, want to delve further into different concepts, I suggest you go online to libertyrelearn.com. And also, uh, I want to take this opportunity. While I thank you for your listenership. That uh, if you like what you heard, uh, please tell a friend. Word of mouth is the best way, I think, right now to, uh, to help spread the word and to uh, for this podcast to gain even more listeners. And if you like uh, what you hear, if particularly if you like a uh, particular episode uh, please you know give that episode uh, a five star rating on your rating app whatever uh, podcast app I know most of them have some sort of way of rating podcasts so if you like a uh, uh, episode if you like this episode or any of the episodes that you've listened to so far um, please when you when you listen to them after you listen to them, You know, please give us a good rating. That would also help us um, in the way of marketing for an advertisement uh, as well as your word of mouth. And so, again, thank you and try and stay healthy and happy. And I will talk to you again next week. Thank you. Bye.